Right, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Once again to everybody, uh, we trust you well, inshallah. Uh, this is the first session of our eighth session course, Last Breath, Janaza and Inheritance Workshop, inshallah, with our beloved Ustad, Mulana Muhaat Ali. <coughs> Shukran. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salamu ala ashraf al-mursaleen. Sayyidina wa nabiyyina wa maulana Muhammad wa ala ali wa sahbihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. We welcome you to session one of The Last Breath, where we speak about dying as a Muslim and what follows death, including the washing of the deceased, the shrouding of the deceased, the salatul janazah that was made on the deceased, and then also the burial of the deceased. Time will be taken out as well to discuss inheritance, and uh, we'll do something very basic on inheritance. It is not possible to do all of it, but uh, we'll do a basic introduction on inheritance, and, uh, and we'll do certain cases that will probably apply to you. 90% of all cases will be covered by this basic introduction. A small 10% of complicated cases would require greater depth, but as I said, it probably will not uh, apply to you, inshallah. So we start tonight with death and beyond. Death and beyond. The etiquettes of dying in Islam. Number one, as Muslims, we are recommended by the Prophet of Allah, peace be upon him, to remind ourselves of death frequently. Frequently you must remind yourself that you will die. And the basic reason for this is that Dunya is not actually your true abode. Dunya is not actually your true abode. Akhirah is your true abode. You came to dunya to be tested. And via the test determination is made as to whether you are worthy of Jannah or whether you are worthy of Jahannam. So technically, the dunya is just an examination. And you shouldn't become too attached to it. And the problem that happens when people become attached to the dunya is that they forget that it is an examination hall. They tend to think it is life. While life is the year after. So throughout the Quran and the Hadith, Allah is telling us that the dunya is cursed. And everything in it is cursed. Except the dhikr of Allah, that connected to the dhikr of Allah, and a scholar of religion and a student of religion. Constantly you are being told, dunya mata'ul ghurur. The dunya is a chattel, an object that can be used for your benefit or to your harm, a chattel of deception. It is a product that deceives you. You start to think that it is real, but actually there's a life beyond it. That life is the real life. Throughout the Quran, constant remembrance. Al-Hakumut-Takathur Hatta Zurtumul Maqabir Al-Hakumut-Takathur the amassment of worldly material things have caused you to be diverted from your true purpose. But this will not continue forever. It will only continue up to the point when you go to visit your grave. The day you die, the veil will be pierced and you will see the reality of this world. And you will see that it was all a waste of time. That's why when Allah speaks of pious deeds, Allah calls them, Al-Baqiyat as-Salihat. The good things that will remain. 
Meaning when you cross from this world into the next, those things will go with you. When you go to your grave, your family go home. When you go to your grave, your property go home. There's only one thing that goes with you into your grave. And those are your deeds. So those are the things that you need to focus on. So when we Muslims are told that you should remind yourself of death, it is actually a reminder that I am not of this world. This is not my place. My place is the Akhirah. The Prophet says it numerous different ways. Be in the dunya as if you are a stranger to it. Or merely a wayfarer. Somebody who is passing through the dunya to another place. The dunya is just the path that he walks in order to get to his eventual and intended destination. So being told constantly, don't become attached to the dunya. Don't become attached to the dunya. The akhirah is it. Constantly we remind ourselves. When I go to the graveyard and I greet the dead, so I say to them, Assalamu alaikum ahl al-qubur, peace be upon you, inhabitants of the graves, in al-mu'mineen wal-mu'minat, the believing men and the believing women, and salaf, you are the people that went before us, and we are on your heels, and if Allah wills, we will soon catch up with you. Do you know that you're saying that to the dead whenever you go to the graveyard? You're actually telling them, But muni warini, know and how. Was know and how. You understand? Like my brother-in-law sitting here, Ghalib. At one of the janazas, I turned to one of my uncle-in-laws, Uncle Yahya, and I said to him, Uncle Yahya, Next time it's you. No? And what I intended by that is, it could be you. So let us learn now from today's janaza. But who was I by a quad for me? Who can see his next time? You understand? I didn't mean you specifically. You understand? I mean, was mut not fat. But that bagraaf was deeper soon. More bagraaf will have us. Who says the next time isn't my time? You understand? That we are going to die is a fact. There's no escaping it. Death in the Quran is referred to as al-yaqeen, the thing we are all convinced about. So it's just a matter of sooner or later. And to be honest with you, if you ask me, even if I die a hundred years from now, it's going to be sooner. Tahaw. Too soon. You understand? Allah says in the Quran, for example, that you wait for dawn and dawn is near. So as meten yet aan nou net begin te te, as nou nou fajr. You understand? So it's the same with your life. It doesn't matter that you were born just now. Yes, now now do it. And you need to remind yourself so that you can focus on your true purpose and not be deceived by the dunya and by the people of the dunya. The pious people look at the rich people that are enjoying themselves with the dunya and instead of being impressed by them and wishing they actually feel sorry for them. What does that man's dunya no end? What does that man's do it for no fun? While he is in this rafla, in the state of unmindfulness that he finds himself. And Allah knows best. 
So Allah tells us in the Quran, Surah Al-Imran, verse 185, every soul shall taste death. How will your soul taste death? Because you are primarily two things. You are a body and you are a soul. And your body will die, but your soul will remain. Technically, your body is your vehicle and your soul is its passenger. You understand? So, whatever bad things about your body, you understand? This is just your trial in this dunya. You understand? Your soul is going to go to the akhirah, and in the akhirah it will have the right to pick the body that it likes. You understand? As net on this side of the fence, if you if the if the passenger is born in a beetle, you must not just accept you're a beetle. And clear. But on that side you can pick. You want to be Ferrari, you want to be Porsche, Land Rover, you can pick. You understand? But anyway, what is happening over here is that the passenger will experience the death of the vehicle. The soul will experience the death of its body. And this is how the soul will taste death. It will not drink from the cup of death. Because it will not die. You understand? But the body will die. And so you will taste death. And at that point you will move from this world into the next. So don't expect the full reward of your good deeds in the dunya. Wait for it, it's going to happen after you die. So Allah goes further and Allah says, and you will only receive your recompense in full on the day of Qiyamah. Don't expect too much from the dunya. If you're getting in the dunya that which suffices you, then keep yourself happy. Keep yourself happy. Satisfy yourself with that which suffices. مَا قَلَّ وَكَفَى خَيْرٌ مِمَّا كَثُرَ وَأَلْهَى The Prophet says, مَا قَلَّ That which is little. وَكَفَى And it suffices you. خَيْرٌ is better. مِمَّا كَثُرَ Then that which is large in amount. Abundant. وَأَلْهَى but it causes you to become unmindful of your purpose on the dunya. It causes you to become unmindful of your purpose on the dunya. And then Allah tells us what is true success. True success, whosoever is distanced from the fire and allowed entry into paradise, such a person has attained to true success. To drive a particular car, is that success? To live in a particular area, in a particular type of a house, to earn a particular type of a wage, a particular amount every day, to be in a particular relationship, is all of that success. The day you die, all of these things will fade into insignificance. The day we stand in front of Allah, and we see Jannah, and we see Jahannam, and then we will know. We will know where our priorities should have been. Dan gaan vrouw niet jali, man gaan niet jali, pa gaan niet jali, dochter gaan niet jali. The call of all of us, except for one man, will be nafsi, nafsi. Wat gaat gebeur met my vandag? Wat gaan gebeur met my vandag? Ek kan net denk aan myself. Your son will say, mommy, daddy, and your response will be, ek is gewari oor myself. Kan nie wari oor jou nie. Because I worry over myself. So as one man will call out, Ummati, Ummati. My people, my people. And that man will be the Prophet Muhammad. Peace be upon him. People will be approaching other Ambiya. And they will say, We don't hold that position. 
you don't hold that position. You need to go find somebody else. You understand? Until they eventually find the prophet. But you see, on that day, your worry will be, I need Allah to be happy with me so that I can go to Jannah. And Allah mustn't be angry with me, not even in the slightest. Because if he is, I'm going to go to hell. I'm going to go to Jahannam. So this is ultimate importance. Then Allah reverses in the verse. So what's the dunya then? If that is ultimate importance, what is the dunya? So Allah says, and the worldly life is no more than a chattel of deception. This is the verse I quoted to you. The worldly life is just like a play. And if you believe what the actors are doing, you think that is who they really are. You understand? So as you believe the play, then you are a deceived individual. You understand? So it's the same with the dunya. You understand? It's but a play. Designed for a particular purpose. To test people. And when the play comes to an end, and then you're going to see what was really happening behind the stage. And Allah knows best. Right home. So the message of Allah said, and I quoted this hadith already, here's the reference, it comes in Tirmidhi, 2007, and Nasai, 1824. The Prophet said, ponder frequently in the destroyer of all worldly pleasures. The destroyer of all worldly pleasures. Ponder in it frequently. And what is the destroyer of all worldly pleasures? Death. Death. Must remind yourself, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. Because as a Muslim, as there is a state of too little happiness, we call it depression, there's also a state of too much happiness. Your happiness needs to be moderate. Allah wants us to be happy, but not excessively happy. There are numerous places in the Quran where Allah refers to a people who are farihin. And farihin are a people that are excessively happy. Like in my life, there are a few cases that I've noticed that stood out for me. Like here in Cape Town, yearly, they have a day that's known as Guy Fox. And on that day, then what do they do? They light crackers. And the eerste plek is at the Hindu practice. You understand? The Hindus on their Diwali day, the actual sunnah is to burn money. You understand? Then they decided that that is a bit too boring, man. So they learned from the Chinese and others to burst, as they call it here in Cape Town, crackers. That's a bit too mere interesting. You understand? And Guy Fawkes himself was what? In the case of Islam, he brand not geld. But one year here in Cape Town, some children were enjoying themselves with Guy Fawkes. They took crackers and they put it in the anus of a dog and they blew its, its intestines out. And to it You understand? Now that sounds odd to you, no? But TVs, ETV for example, channel, tends to every now and then have a, a show where they show you jokes. 
And 80% of the jokes are people falling on their mouths or cars bumping them, then the 360s into the air, the lachos. But a car is not 360, the fallai, but the second is another. Who was that joke? Huh? What is in that that causes you to laugh? Somebody was just seriously injured now. You understand? Who come lachos? But you see, this is our age, man. We live in an age of excessive joy. And part and parcel of excessive joy is that you cannot understand the suffering of others. Here in Cape Town, we've got a problem. There's a lot of people that beg as a profession. So they're not really worthy of your money. Because they don't even try to work. And in Islam, begging is never a profession. But you see, we've become so nonchalant that Sometimes we are approached by people that are genuinely poor. And because we live such a happy world, a happy life, we have no care for them. Is that the right statement to tell a poor man? You understand? If he's a professional beggar, I say profession, then he's not entitled to your money. But even then, that doesn't give you the right to abuse. You understand? And occasionally you're actually going to come across an actual poor man. You understand? Is that the way to speak to that individual? Especially when you deal with an Allah that takes things personally. So there's an authentic hadith where Allah will say on the day of Qiyamah to a man, <coughs> I knocked on your door and I was hungry but you didn't give me to eat. I knocked on your door and I was thirsty and you didn't give me to drink. I was sick. But you didn't visit me. And then this man's retort will be, Oh Allah, you are Rabbul Alameen. You are the Lord and creator of all things besides yourself. How can you suffer hunger? How can you suffer thirst? How could you be sick? And then Allah will say, Well, my slave knocked on your door and asked you for food. And my slave knocked on your door and asked you for drink. And my slave was sick and you didn't visit him. Had you given him to eat, had you given him to drink, had you visited him, you would have found me there. You would have found me there. But notice how Allah starts the hadith. I was hungry. He didn't say my slave was hungry. He says, I was hungry. You understand? He said, I was thirsty. That is why one of the scholars, he made almost like a small poem in the Arabic language. And he puts it on the tongue of Allah. Allah didn't really say it. But the meaning is actually sound. The meaning is actually sound. Right? It is actually so with Allah. Right? But it's something that he made up. So it goes as follows. Al-malu mali. All wealth is mine. Wal-fuqarau iyali. And the poor are my dependents. Wal-aghniya'u kalai. And the rich are my agents. And if my agents are stingy with my dependents, I will make them to taste my anger and punishment. And I will not care what happens to them next. You understand? So we come to a test to the dunya. Where we don't want to share what we don't need. You are entitled to that which you need. To clothe your nakedness. To feed you to drink, to, to house you and your spouse. 
and your children. But we sit with excess money. Here in Cape Town, there's madrasas that ask one rain a day. And then 80% of the parents say they cannot afford it. But the weekend, I see no star couple of pirates that John Wick 2. It's a hell for John Wick 2. You understand? It's a hell for Surat 2. You understand? But as all the geld in the world for John Wick 2. You understand? And then nadat ek het klaar gekyk het op die pirate, dan vat ek nog my hele familie met ek kyk in die bijskop. Because as a full experience. You understand? Hoeveel geld gaan die koos? I don't care. You understand? But to earn your paradise, problems. Right? So we need to ponder. This illusion that we're sitting with, this excessive happiness that we are suffering, it's going to end. And then where are you going to find yourself? This is not a recipe for depression. Muslims shouldn't be depressed individuals and morose and take back the whole day. You understand? That is not the intention. The intention is just understand what the dunya is, man. You understand? The Muslim is in the marketplace making money. But his heart is with Allah. You understand? Next problem with the khayal maki. Next problem with the lekaisi. No problem. Rabbana atina fi dunya hasana. Allah give us good in the dunya. But the dua doesn't end there. What? Oh Allah give us good in the year after as well. And Ali must ask, why do people fear to die? Why is it that they don't want to die? So he said, if you build a castle in the dunya and neglect your akhira, then who wants to die? So I got the ultimate idea in the dunya where they constantly unbow. I bow currently on my eyes. But I make no effort with my akhira. So what is waiting for me in the akhira? A chochombeni. You know what's a chochombeni? As a hokan kaya litsa. So who wants to give up the dunya if I'm going to go to a chochombeni? But if I put in effort for my akhira, then I actually cannot wait to die. It's one of the reasons why Allah, as we grow older, He gives us creaks and groans. You understand? Constant difficulty. It's like pregnancy. Especially if it's your firstborn. When you just discover you're pregnant, you're very happy. But then you start thinking, birth. Oh, I am going to be looking death in the face. But as the months progress, the pregnancy becomes more uncomfortable. The baby sits constantly up my blast. Constantly my neck pee. I want you to sit here as I sit here as I sit you understand? Then eventually I'm in such discomfort and I say, the baby comes, man, come, man. Because it's bang on birth, but I can't hear all the problems. So all age is exactly like that. I fear dying. But then the body starts waking up. Sicknesses, high blood pressure, sugar diabetes, you understand? Footer, what's well. You understand? And then eventually, since inshallah I worked on my akhira, I start thinking, it's alright to do it again. You understand? It's not such a big problem, man. Inshallah I'm going to go to Jannah. Why not? As a Muslim, not such a big issue, inshallah. Adunya sijnul mu'min wa jannatul kafir. The dunya is the prison of the true believer. But you see, it is the paradise of the kafir. So the kafir will not relinquish. He will not give up. He will cling. 
You understand? But Allah knows best. But for us, inshallah, there's a time where we want to go. Now, this is in 2011 in South Africa, the amounts of deaths per year. So in 2011, according to government statistics, the deaths were just over half a million in 2011. And they tell you the reasons for it also. So accidents and other external causes, such as murder and all of that, 9%. Circulatory system diseases, heart problems and the like, 16%. Respiratory diseases, breathing problems like uh, asthma and so forth, 12%. Cancers and neoplasms, 7%. Metabolic disorders, uh, 6%, such as diabetes. And then infection and other parasitic diseases, 26%. And then there's a 27% of deaths that is other reasons. So this is how the numbers, you understand, in South Africa, and uh, why people die. And Allah knows best. But that's very simple, man. Your body was not designed to live forever. So somewhere along the line, it's going to start picking up. You understand? Now we live in an age where they're getting replacement parts. But it's pirate butters. Because you quite your originals. You understand? And so death cannot entirely be staved off. You understand? At best, to our eye, we are delaying death. To our eye. But by Allah, we are delaying nothing. We die when Allah has decreed that we should die. So in Cape Town, they speak of Ajal. Ajal actually just means appointed time. Right? So if I go on a date with my wife, then that's our Ajal, our appointed time. But in Cape Town, Ajal has a special meaning. It means the appointed time for your death. You understand? So it's fine also that it has that meaning. But the reality is that you will only die when Allah has decreed that you will die. Not before. I read an article in Reader's Digest once of a man that decided to commit suicide. So he put a shotgun in his mouth and he blew half of his head away. But amazingly, they saved him. He was missing huge portions of his brain and his skull, but they saved him. And so they asked him, will you try to attempt suicide again? To say in me, as the painful. That's the painful. And what makes it even more interesting is that even were he successful, do you know what is the punishment in Islam for suicide? There's a number of punishments. But the most important punishment that is mentioned in Quran Hadith is that you will continue to do that act on yourself for all of eternity. So imagine for all of eternity, blast it, my brain's weg. And then reform it net. En dan blaas ik om net weer weg. Dan reform het net en dan blaas ik om net weer weg. Als het één keer gebeurt met die boete, hij zei het was te pijnvol. You understand? And for it to happen for all of eternity. What is that like? Allah knows best. Right though. So the Prophet Allah tells us, seize five opportunities before five calamities befall you. Number one, your life before your death. While you're alive, you better make maximum use of it, eh? Life is the ultimate opportunity. So make use of it while you have it. Because soon you will be dead. Make use of your health 
because soon sickness will come for you. Make use of your free time because soon you will be occupied. Make use of your youth because soon you will be old. And make use of your prosperity as you feel it. So, if you're going to suffer some poverty and you're going to have some richness, then at least enjoy the days when you're rich, man. Then at least one of the things in the days of poverty is you can think back and say, Ah, I get my innings. You understand? When you suffer, you suffer, it's a problem. Whenever I see a nun or I see a priest, at least the old nuns and the old priests, who never got married, I felt sorry for them. You understand? Suffer this side, suffer die side. You understand? I love us the exact concept. You understand? At least as I can enjoy it. The over the altar does go and I come with zinna and all the things. At least with this signal, I can say, I bow it. You understand? I get lari praise betal. But now you come with kufr and then you worship a God that doesn't exist. And you sacrifice for beings that don't exist, just names that you made up. <coughs> and then you come in the year after and that God is not waiting for you and the real God is upset. You understand? So you suffer this side, you suffer that side. That's bad. That's bad. So, this is the law. Allah grants you five opportunities. Make use of them. Maximize. Maximize the benefits of these five opportunities. Before five will come, that will bring an end to it. And just see what is the first one. And the law in Arabic is whatever is mentioned first is most important. <coughs> so what is the first one? The first one is your life before your death. Make use of your life. Your entire forever after depends on it. Your entire forever after, your Jannah, the quality of your Jannah, and whether you are going to go to Jannah, depends on what you do in the dunya. Most people don't know it. But currently, there's a place in Jannah with your name on. And currently in Jahannam, there's a place with your name on. And every day you're adding to both places. Every day you are doing things that is causing extensions to your place in Jannah. And new rooms to open up. Rooms that will contain things that are designed for your pleasure and your enjoyment and your entertainment. And in Jannah, new torture chambers are added every day. You understand? And one of the ways that Allah will cause the people of Jannah to experience even more delight is Allah will allow them to go to Jahannam and see the other place. The other place that they could have gone to. And the moment I see my other place, the place in Jahannam that I could have gone to, inshallah, because I'm not going to go there, inshallah. None of us are going to go there, inshallah. But Allah will allow us to visit. The moment I see it, then just to know that I will not be going there, that will be sufficient happiness for me. After that, I won't actually need to go to Jannah. You understand? Just to know that I'm not going there will be sufficient joy. But Allah will take me still to Jannah, inshallah. And to add to the despair and the pain and grief and suffering and sorrow 
of those who are going to go to Jahannam is Allah is going to take them to their place in Jannah. And Allah is going to show it to them. And when they see it and realize that they're not going to go there, then that will be sufficient sorrow for them. That will be sufficient punishment for them. They won't even need to go to Jahannam, but they're still going to go there. And there are numerous things like that that is going to be happening in the future. Will we wait till then before we will learn our lesson? And if we learn it then, it will be too late to do anything. We need to learn it now on this side of the fence. It's never too late if you're not busy dying. As long as you have not experienced gargaratul maut, the gurgle of death, as your soul is pulled, it is now passing beyond your throat. So then you make this noise. In Cape Town, you understand? Which is the final sound that emits from the mouth of a person that is dying. When your soul has not reached that point, there's still opportunity for tawbah, repentance. There's still opportunity for you to change. But our problem is we don't know when it's going to happen. Eh? We don't know. Death can come at any given moment. And if not my death, the dunya can die at any given moment. I don't know. So the only way to ensure is that I need to make the choice now. Which is why the statement of the angel of death, when he comes for certain people, and they say to him, Just give us a few minutes. The statement he says to them is to me the most remarkable of statements. His statement is, Just give me a, a chance to do some things. No maesta. So what is death saying? Death is saying, you're busy with the wrong now. You should have done this in a different now. This now is for dying. This now is not for charity. This now is not for good deeds. This now is not for salah. This now is only for dying. So what you need to do now is die. That's what you need to do. When I appear on the scene, you only need to do one thing, and that is die. Because he interested in dying. You want to see me death. Then you want to make salah. You busy with the wrong now. You should have taken a previous now. So in Cape Town there's a story that some ulama tell. You might have heard me say it before, but for those who haven't, let's just try and illustrate this point. They say a man was going somewhere, perhaps on holiday, with his family. So in the front is him and his wife. He's in the driver's seat, wife in the passenger seat. In the back are the children. And as they're driving down the highway, they see somebody next to the road. So they stop. He's hiking. Who are you? Where, where, where do you want to go? So he says, my name is Wealth. And I want to go with you. So he says to the children in the back, Yei, die ou moet saam met ons gaan hoor. So they make place at the back. And he fits in. And then they drive for a while, and then there's somebody else. And they stop for that person. 
So who are you? Where do you want to go? And he says, my name is Fame. I see Fortune is already on, in there. Fame and Fortune, we are a good couple. And we want to go with you. You understand? I also want to go with you. So he says to the children again, yeah, we must take this brother with. Can't leave this brother behind. Make place. And then they travel further and they see somebody else. Again, they stop. What's your name? Where are you going? So he says, my name is Dean. And I want to go with you. And then the father says, as you can see, the car is full. But okay, when we come back from our destination, on the holiday, then we'll collect you. Don't worry. Soon. 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 Right, so they continue to drive. And then suddenly it's a roadblock. And when they come up to the roadblock, the policeman or traffic officer is standing there. His name is Malakul Mout. So what do they say to Malakul Mout? Sorry, man, we left something behind. What's Malakul Mout's answer? Only now. Only now. It's very roadblock now. You understand? Now the ticket must be given. The ticket of death must be given. There is no going back for Dean. You understand? The opportunity is lost. Paradise is lost. You understand? We needed to have fit Dean into our lives earlier in the journey. We cannot wait until we meet up with death. Now we for Dean and fit. Now You understand? Dean must be in. And not only must Dean be in, Dean must be given a prominent position. You understand? What are you? You are a butcher who, by the way, is a Muslim. A doctor who, by the way, is a Muslim. Or are you a Muslim doctor? So you must determine. There's only one type of a Muslim that's 100% Muslim. So you don't get a 99,9% .9 Muslim. You understand? You definitely don't get a 50% Muslim. You don't get a weekend Muslim, you don't get a Friday Muslim. You understand? You only get a 24 hours a day, every day, 100% Muslim. But since we are weak, we sometimes sin and we err. But as long as we stand up again and ask Allah Maaf in the form of Tawbah, then we will find that Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. And though we are weak and we are deficient, and the things that we do to please Allah, it's always somehow defective, we will find that our Allah is a shakur, most appreciative. All Allah wants from us is that we must try. If I appear in front of Allah on the day of Qiyamah, having tried but failed numerous times, I will surely meet my Allah most merciful, most forgiving, most appreciative. But can I appear in front of my Allah having failed to try? It's most asan. Having failed to try. Huh? What prerogative lies by Allah to forgive you? What prerogative lies by Allah to overlook? So, technically, that's all Allah wants. Just give it your best, man. And if you fail, no problem. Just stand up again. And they say, no problem, I'll forgive. Just stand up again. Try it, mouth. Try it, yeah. You understand? So as long as you are with Allah, it does not matter how many times you fail. As long as you are with Allah, 
you will find that Allah is oft forgiving, most merciful. You will find that Allah appreciates. Sometimes my wife doesn't understand, she doesn't appreciate. Sometimes my husband doesn't understand, doesn't appreciate. Sometimes my children, they don't understand, they don't appreciate. Sometimes my parents don't understand the things I do for them, they don't appreciate. Who always appreciates? Who always understands? Who knows your very thought? Your innermost thought, your innermost motivation. If you did it with good motivation, it was a good act, who is the one person that will always appreciate? The one that you nooit in die steek gaan laat me. Wie is die? So you need to make a right with that person before you die. And there's only one time before death, and that time is now. If you don't make the move now, the move doesn't get made. So the Prophet Allah says, Halakal musawifun. The people who say sofa, that's the Arabic term, in English it translated as soon. He says the people who say soon, they all fall into destruction. And this is how my father raised me. My father always taught me, if a thing is good enough to do, it's good enough to do now. If a thing is good enough to do, it's good enough to do now. Asa na kuya ng pagmurat wakot mora. You understand? If it's a good thing to say to your wife, "I love you," then say it now. Bute wakto at fula wa duotstam. Nawalifa duoya bodisye. Ik was nawalifa yong. If it's a good thing to say to your wife you love her, then say it to her now. If it's a good thing to say to your child you love him or her, then say it to them now. Why delay with that which is good? That which is good should be done now. You shouldn't delay. Sometimes you delay, it never gets done. So you suffer regret. If it's good enough to do, do it now. Abdullah ibn Umar, a famous sahabi, reports that the Messenger of Allah took him by the shoulder and said, and the reason the Prophet of Allah is taking him by the shoulder is to build a bit of affinity and a bit of an intimacy and to show him what I'm about to say to you is important. He said, this is something I cannot just say to you. I need to take you by the shoulder, you understand, and have it as an intimate moment, and then say it to you. That's how important it is. Be in the dunya as if you are merely a stranger or a traveler. I just quoted this hadith before. And Abdullah ibn Umar therefore used to say thereafter, in the evening don't wait for the morning. And in the morning don't wait for the evening. If it's good enough to do, do it now. In the evening, don't wait for the morning. And in the morning, don't wait for the evening. You understand? So do it now. You understand? Then you know it's done. Yes, for fanan, extra soon. Yes, the soon fart and the soon nafal. But mark for sikari fart is gedoen. You understand? Us can altijd in nafal and squeeze. And Allah knows best. And take of your health for your sickness and of your life for your death. You understand? Meaning thereby that when you're healthy, then do what you need to do. So that when you're sick, then it's done. And when you're alive, then do what you need to do. And so when you're dead, you know your akhirah is secure. But you cannot wait till you, when it's time to die, then you want to do. You understand? That's not how it works. Allah knows best. Abdullah ibn Abbas, another famous sahabi, reports 
that a lady came to the message of Allah complaining of epileptic fits. In which she falls and exposes herself. So she falls and skits her so, because she falls in her but then sometimes she makes her rock up. She can't even see her body and her thighs and such a thing. So she came to the Prophet Al-Islam and she asked for relief. And what she meant is, the Prophet Al-Islam must do something where she's cured of the fits. And consequently also, she will not expose herself. So now the Prophet Al-Islam could have easily done this. There's nothing to do with it. You understand? But if the Prophet does that for all of his companions, then none of them suffer anything. And then how are they an example for us? Us who are going to suffer epileptic fits, and high blood pressure, and sugar diabetes, and a lot of other illnesses, how are they going to be an example for us? You understand? Then also we actually came to the dunya to be tested. And sickness is a form of test. So the Prophet just makes dua, and everybody's sicknesses disappear, tavasi test. You understand? So that's not the purpose of a prophet. So the Prophet Islam he offers her this. He says to her, I can make dua and your epileptic fits will end. Or I can ask Allah to give you Jannah. And then your Jannah is confirmed. So when she heard this, she said, Oh Messenger of Allah, make dua for me for Jannah. Now some people are going to say he wasn't really a prophet. So he knew that if he were to make the dua, that she be cured. She wouldn't be cured to come and now make distant. You understand? Now, if that were true, then the following wouldn't have happened. So she says to the Prophet, O Prophet of Allah, I will be patient, but I don't want my aura to be uncovered when I have fits. I've left that portion of the hadith out, but it's in there. You can check up the hadith in Bukhari, that number, and you will find the remainder. So she says, So pray for my Jannah. But pray that my aura is never uncovered. Which the Prophet did. And other Sahaba would see her after that sometimes falling and having fits. But she was never exposed thereafter. So as they do are next vetasi. Wutari tweede after rechakrai. You understand? Wutari tweede after rechakrai. For they fall say constantly, then as her aura exposed. After the Prophet made dua, she was still falling due to fits and getting all these actions and all of that, just, aura was never discovered. Is, is that coincidental? You understand? So Allah knows best. But what was the point here? Why are we narrating this to you? What do you think? Right? What, what, does, what does this have to do with the context? This particular story. This particular story, has to, what does it have to do with the context? Is that we must suffer but in the dunya. You understand? It is earning akhirah for us. Whatever good is happening, whatever bad is happening, it's a test. And if you pass it, it earns akhirah for you. The Prophet could have lifted his hands and there would have been no sicknesses for any of his ummas. Any of his ummas. There was a number of du'as the Prophet made one day when he climbed the member. Minimum of three du'as. Allah accept two, Allah rejected the final one. One du'a he made, oh Allah, make it so that no enemy of Islam will ever be able to destroy all the Muslims. And Allah accepted it. Oh Allah, make it so that no disease will ever be able to destroy all humans. 
So you can study any disease, whether it's AIDS or whether it's what. There's always a sector of society that are immune to it. There are currently people that have AIDS, but it does nothing negative to them. But whoever they sleep with, die. Did you know that? There's always a sector of society, it doesn't matter what disease you're speaking of, they are immune to it. And the Prophet made a dua. What does he know of medicine? Aisha Nan Nabi. Was Daidanga known to him 1430 years ago? It was known to him. It's not known to you. You're living in the age where this is a fact. Or rather, it has been discovered to be a fact. But it wasn't known to you. How would he have known such a thing? And then what was the final dua? So there's numerous narrations as to the final dua. Some say the final dua is that we should never die and then Allah reject it. Some say the final dua was something else. You understand? But that was actually the point that I was referring to. That third portion. You understand? Death is a definite. Suffering is a definite. You understand? This dunya is not really a place of suffering. Nor is it really a place of enjoyment. There is some suffering, and it is a test. And there is some enjoyment, and it is a test. Suffering is not for the sake of suffering. Enjoyment is not for the sake of enjoyment. Suffering is so that your faith is tested. And enjoyment is so that your faith is tested. In Jannah, enjoyment is for the sake of enjoyment. And in Jannah, suffering is for the sake of suffering. But not in the dunya. In the dunya you suffer so that you can earn your jannah. And in the dunya you enjoy so that you can earn your jannah. You mustn't let the suffering break you and you mustn't let the enjoyment run away with you. Is everybody with me? Both are a test. The individual that is born handsome or beautiful, the handsomeness or beautifulness, it's a test. I made up that word now. Eh? The beauty. Is a test. And if you're born ugly, then your ugliness is a test. In truth, there is no ugliness. We're all flavors. And somewhere out there is somebody who likes that flavor. This is how Allah created us. If you're vanilla, out there there's somebody that likes vanilla. If you're chocolate, out there there's somebody that likes chocolate. If you are char, from the islands of Gatesville, there's somebody who likes that flavor also. Doesn't matter what you are, there's somebody out there that likes that flavor. You must just learn how to do halal advertising. Gum tree, nikah tree. You must just figure out how to do halal advertising. But somewhere out there is an iman that likes that flavor. You understand? Creoles. I chop stunt, but my goodness likes it. You understand? So on my side, I dislike it. Some of my children, they love it. as are liquor chips. You understand? So as much as there are people that dislike, there are people who, who like. And Allah knows best. I to continue. The Prophet of Allah had said, Allah sent down both the sickness and the cure. And every sickness has its cure. In a different hadith, the Prophet of Allah says, except for death. Except for death, there is no cure for death. Therefore, use medication. 
but avoid that which is prohibited. <coughs> right on. So remind yourself of death, and there will be sickness, and sickness is a reminder of death. As you grow old, you start to get gray, Allah is sending you messages, your death is on the way. Your bones start to creak and to groan, Allah is sending you messages, your death is on the way. That's why there's a hadith that says, uh, a man that continues to sin after 40 years, Allah accepts no excuses. You understand? What does it mean? When you're young, you must become malman. The Arabs actually have it as a saying. They say, Ashababu shu'batumun al Youth is a branch of insanity. As a young as a young man, as he was mal, he found all nonsense on. Pop your casa car to the game books brick. You understand? He found all nonsense on. But as you grow older, you're supposed to grow wiser. So there's a point where Allah says, I've given you enough chances, man. I've given you enough lessons. You understand? So there's a point where Allah is not as merciful with your sins. While when you were younger, then Allah was a bit more merciful. He's young most. You understand? He's not dumb man. You understand? So Allah was a bit more merciful. But as you grow older and you progress towards death, then Allah starts to expect more of you. As on it, unfortunately, revived, so men are marak, lalak out. You understand? So men are marak, lalak out. A dumb young man, rak a dumb old man. We must still respect the elderly. But sometimes we don't respect them for their wisdom. You understand? We just respect them because they're elderly. Most, inshallah, ever do learn. And most as they grow older become wiser, inshallah, in the Muslim community. But they create altijd a gek hands. You understand? They create altijd a gek hands. He's 80 years old. But he pop also always villages. And Allah knows best. Right. Is it a good thing to desire death? So Islamically is generally considered reprehensible, makru. Makru means Allah discourages it. Allah doesn't want you to desire death. In principle. The Prophet was asked, who is the best of people? He answered, he who lives a long life and does good deeds. So as long as you live a long life and do good deeds, then it is, rather as long as you do good deeds, it is better for you to continue to live. So you shouldn't desire death. Rather reform yourself. And do good deeds. So it's considered in principle reprehensible to desire death. And there's the hadith, he who lives a long life and performs good deeds. Hadith comes in Tirmidhi 2329. However, if life is perhaps a bit difficult for you, then you are allowed to make the following dua. The hadith comes in Bukhari and Muslim. Allahumma, oh Allah, ahini, keep me alive. Ma kanatil hayatu khairan li. As long as life is better for me. Watawafani and take my soul, O Allah. Ida kanatil wafatu khairan li. When it is best for me to die. So if it is best for me to continue to love, then keep me alive, O Allah. But if it is best for me to die, as I got langer leave it, I got a bit nonsense and fun. Then Allah take me before I do that stuff. You understand? So take me while my condition is good. So this is the extent to what you are allowed in Sharia. You are allowed to make the dua, Allah, if life is going to be good, then keep me around. But if life is going to be bad, then take me. But you, 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 it's considered makruh, discouraged. Allah doesn't want you to do it, but it's not a sin. 
to ask to die. Just like that. Ik wil doodgaan, ik wil doodgaan. Net soos die. You understand? That is considered bad. Not to the degree that it's a sin, but it's considered reprehensible. Bad thing. Allah knows best. Righto. So this here is an introduction to death. In principle. Death should be the constant companion of the true believer. Because it puts you where you should be. It reminds you of your true outcome, your true destination which is the day after. But there are etiquettes at the time of death. Now a person who is about to die, in Arabic we call such a person a muhtadar. A muhtadar. And the word muhtadar comes from the verb ihtadara. And ihtadara in turn comes from the verb hadara. And hadara means he is present. So who's this he that is present? So this he is death. So etiquettes of the muhtadar, etiquettes of the one, death is present for him. So dood het gekomma, dood wacht net for the moment. You understand? So die person wat about is om dood te gaan. You understand? What are the etiquettes of that person? What should you do as the relative? Right? Now first and foremost, there are certain signs of death which the ulama discuss. So they say one of the signs of death is the staring of the eyes. The eyes move in a direction and then it stops moving and it just stares blankly. So that's a sign of death. Right? Also leaning of the nose either to the right or the left. When you are alive, then your pulse Right? The fact that you have blood moving through your body and the fact that there is an electrical current and so forth, it causes certain things to be prominent, to stand out. And one of those things is your nose. But when you die, then these things just relax. So what tends to happen toward the nose is that it moves slightly to the right or it moves slightly to the left. Because now it's a gewig. You understand? And Allah knows best. Also the lower jawbone becomes slack and it starts hanging. So the person's mouth goes up. You understand? That's a sign also of death. Also the heartbeat stops. Also the body grows colder. Also the calf of the one leg intertwines with the calf of the next. So sometimes in the moment of death, as that the point where the lichaam stays up. So when they die doen, dan soms is dat gaan die een kaaf, soms die op je ander ene. Soms die, en dan skielik, dan relax het. If you've been present when they slaughtered the sheep, you'll see a similar experience. With the sheep. You understand? But that's a point where the kaap net so maak. En dan skielik, dan relax alles. You understand? So die moment, die, that's the moment where life is given up. Is everybody with me? Right. So a reference there is the book Al-Wijaza Fi Tajhizi Al-Janaza on page 45. It's an Arabic book, unfortunately. Right, so this is the signs of death by the ulama, what they use. His family, relatives, or anyone present at the time are recommended to do the following for the one so afflicted. So somebody who is about to die, final moments, you do the following. Number one, we lie them on their right hand side facing the Qibla. Right? We lie them on the right hand side facing the Qibla. So it's soon not to sleep on your right hand side with your hand under your 
cheek, like that. You understand? And just before you die, it's sunnah to do something similar. We will lie on the right hand side towards the qibla. This is if it is possible, the room is large enough and you can turn the bed in that direction and so forth. If it is not possible or it will cause the individual about to die, inconvenience, then you abstain from it. So these are recommendations. It's not compulsory. Right? <coughs> right, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. So the etiquettes of dying. So one of the first things we do is that we have the deceased lie on his or her right-hand side in the direction of the Qibla. That is if there's enough space in the room and uh, the deceased or the person who's about to die can do so with ease. If they're unable to do so with ease, but they're still able to face the Qibla, just not on the right-hand side. Perhaps by lying on the left-hand side facing the Qibla. And that is fine also, inshallah. If they cannot do this, and the feet is in the direction of the Qibla, then we will place some cushions behind them, so that their head is raised, and that they are still looking in the direction of the Qibla. But the ideal position is that they are on their right hand side, towards the Qibla. And then in principle we say, that if this isn't possible, then it is fine. Right? But what is meant by that statement is, is that if they have to lie on the left hand side or you have to raise the head as long as they are looking in the direction of the Qibla you understand? then that will be fine and the fact that they are not lying on the right will be overlooked so you only do this if it is possible and if it is convenient if not possible then in whatever way we can have them facing the Qibla without causing them inconvenience we will do that if that is not possible we leave them as they are is everybody with me? Right. Then number two is, prior to lying this individual on his or her side, and also after lying them on that side, we must instruct them to recite the shahada. La ilaha illallah. There's no being worthy of worship, but Allah. It is mentioned in the hadith of the Prophet it said, he who his final words is la ilaha illallah, dakhal al that person will enter into paradise. Now when we say instruct, we don't mean you say and then you aggravate it if you don't get the immediate response. Say, la ilaha illallah. Say, la ilaha illallah. You understand? And then when you don't get the response, then you aggravate it. What we mean is, just you recite la ilaha illallah in a whisper. La ilaha illallah. La La ilaha illallah. The person that is dying is in their own head. There are things happening to them. Things that you do not see. And then you persist. Say la ilaha illallah. Say la ilaha illallah. Then when you don't get the response, then you go tell other people, You understand? So that's one of the laws. At the time of dying, only the closest of relatives must be present. And there must be people that are wise. Sat amali domachis ait baridia. Mensa va dangasin, tavastana lani vatalasini. And then akapalamona. Falamuti ait sat. You understand? Keep the people that are the loved ones of the deceased and who are sensible individuals. 
to understand what is happening over here. And one of the issues over here is we just recite softly. And if the deceased has a moment where they are able to hear you, the person that is dying, sorry, has a moment where they are able to hear you, you understand? Then they will say, La ilaha illallah. Us vitmos as Muslim. We know we should try to say La ilaha illallah before we die. But perhaps due to what we are going through, we forget. So all we need is just a soft reminder. Somebody just that's whispering to us, La ilaha illallah. You understand? That's all we need. So this is known as talqeen. The actual meaning of talqeen is you say something to somebody and then they repeat it. That's the meaning of talqeen. So the message of Allah, peace be upon him, he said, Lakinu, make talqeen to your deceased by saying, La ilaha illallah. Right? Now, it's supposed to give you the hadith there. The hadith comes in Sahih Muslim, hadith 916. But for some reason or other, the hadith numbering is not coming. We have that, I don't know what that is, hieroglyphics or what. It's happening over there. The hadith comes in Sahih Muslim, hadith number 916. Then the Prophet Allah had also said, and I just told you of this one, his final statement is, La ilaha illallah, such a person will surely enter into Jannah. That hadith comes in Abu Dawud, hadith number 3116. It's also considered mustahab, desirable, to recite Surah Yasin in the presence of the muhtadar, the person that is about to die. As in Surah Yasin is the mention of the conditions of the year after. And there's mention of resurrection from the grave. So the deceased is basically told what happens next. You understand? Because in the moments of dying, people are filled with despair sometimes. You understand? The body doesn't want to die. The body doesn't want to die, so it fights back. So that can enter the consciousness of the individual, and then they are filled with despair. But you recite Surah Yasin to them, then they hear that if you are a good person, then you are going to go to Jannah. And good things await. They hear that they are not going to go to the grave forever. They are going to be resurrected from the grave. And so the Prophet ﷺ said, recite Surah Yasin to your dead. Now the statement, your dead, has two potential meanings in the Arabic language. Either people who are already dead, or people who are about to die. Ulama apply it on both. But they say, the greatest sunnah is to recite it before they did. You understand? When the Prophet says, recite Surah Yasin to your dead, he meant the people who are about to die. Recite Surah Yasin to the people who are about to die. And Allah knows best. But it's fine to recite it also after they did. That meaning is also in there. It's just the ulama considered the more correct meaning to be those who are about to die. Number four, it is recommended for every Muslim have a good opinion of Allah. But it is especially emphasized for the muhtadar, the person that is about to die. Why is it? Because Allah says, I am in accordance with my slave's opinion of me. And ulama say, that this means at the point of death. So if at the point of death you tell yourself your Allah is merciful, and your Allah is appreciative, then that is how you will find Allah. But if you go in the opposite direction, then that is how you're going to find Allah. Now here there's a thing the ulama have noticed. The ulama notice that people who are impious when they are young and they possess a lot of capacity to sin, then you know what they tell themselves? They tell themselves, 
Allah is arhamur rahimin. Allah is the most merciful of those who are merciful. And as a result, they commit a lot of sin. And then when they are old and on their deathbed, and then regret eats them. And they tell themselves, Allah ha no so what happens to them at the point of death is that they are filled with despair and sorrow. And they say the pious people are the opposite. The pious people, when they have great capacity for sin, then they tell themselves that I fear my Allah. I need to avoid this. And then one day when they are on the deathbeds and they are dying, and then they say to themselves, Allah is most merciful. So the Prophet Allah says, the believer lives between hope in the mercy of Allah and fear of his anger. We live between al-khawfi wa raja We live between hope in the mercy of Allah and his fear. So that's the Muslim. But the ulama ask, when is it better to have hope? And when is it better to have fear? So they say when you are young and you are very alive and vibrant, then it is better to fear than to hope. And when you are dying, then it is better to hope than to fear. And Allah knows best. So at this moment in time, you tell the deceased, have a good opinion of Allah. Tell yourself, Allah is going to forgive your sins. If you need to make tawbah, make tawbah, no problem. But tell yourself, Allah is accepting your tawbah. Tell yourself, you are about to meet a generous Lord. You are about to meet a forgiving Lord. Tell yourself that. So the Prophet he says in a hadith, somehow the beginning is, is coming out strange, the messenger of Allah peace be upon him said, none of you should die except while maintaining a good opinion of Allah. None of you should die except while maintaining a good opinion of Allah. So what this means is that you should be desirous of Allah for giving your sins and you should be pleased with him. And, meaning you should be desirous that Allah is pleased with you. Right? You should not give in to the idea that his sins are too many or enormous for the mercy of Allah. There are numerous ahadith where Allah uses terms such as when a man sins as much as the foam on the ocean. His sins are as large as the mountains. His sins are mil'ul ardi. It fills the earth itself. So much his sins are. There are numerous ahadith where Allah says, I forgive him still. The ahadith that are out there that speak of the mercy of Allah and Allah's compassion is unbelievable. Like one of the, re- the, la- the latest ones that I read recently is that Allah says to his angels, when a, son of his, uh, when a slave of his has sinned and he has made tawbah, then Allah breaks to his angels and says, can you see? He sinned. But he knows that he has a Lord that forgives sins. And so I forgive him his sins. And then the person sins again. And he makes tawbah. Then Allah says to his angels and he brags. Can you see? He sins again. But he knows he has a Lord that forgives sins. And so he asks me for repentance. And so I forgive him. <coughs> and then he sins the third time. And he makes tawbah. And then Allah says to his angels. Can you see? He sins three times. But he knows he has a Lord that forgives even that. And so I forgive him. In fact I say to you my angels. I say to you. He can do whatever he wants to. I forgive all of his sins. Now this hadith is not for you to sin and sin and sin. You understand? That is not the intention of the hadith. You understand? The intention of the hadith is 
it doesn't really matter how many times you sin, man. As long as you repent. As long as you are sincere in your repentance, you will find your Lord eagerly waiting for you. So how can you have a bad opinion? You understand? It's all up to you. You must just go towards Allah and you will find Allah coming towards you. You understand? It's all up to you. So anyone that is present, if they see the muhtadar, the person that is dying, becoming depressed and losing hope in the mercy of Allah, then they must remind him or her of related Quranic verses and a hadith and they must encourage them to have hope. You understand? You must tell them, if you think your sins are so great that Allah cannot forgive it, then that is a sign of kibr. You understand? Because nothing is too great for Allah. It's almost as if you are saying that your sins are greater than the mercy of Allah. While the mercy of Allah is infinite. It has no beginning and it has no end. You understand? So true humility is to believe that Allah forgives all sins. You must just repent. And Allah knows best. Right, number five. Somehow, in many places, and I've seen this here in Cape Town also, when people are sick, it's a license to be rude. Can you water? How can you tell us how long I'm going to drink water? Maaf now for that. You understand? Why is it happening? Because you are in pain. That doesn't mean everybody else in the room must be in pain also. Everybody else in the house must also be in pain. You understand? So one of the things that we must advise the sick and the dying is maintain your integrity. Maintain your good character. Being Dying or being sick is not an excuse to be rude. You understand? So continue to be kind with those around you. You somebody's father, somebody's mother, somebody's wife, somebody's husband. Let the final thoughts of you be good thoughts, man. Imagine the final thing with my father, my father, it is your friends here. You understand? That is the last thing with my father, my father. Say it from say, La ilaha illallah. Or he gives me some final advice, be regular with your salah. He sways me. You understand? So, whether we are sick, whether we are dying, we must maintain our good behavior. And we must avoid arguments. And especially when dying, we must avoid getting involved in dunya matters now. So, soos ek dood gaan, sê ek nog vir my sien, want nou morgen die wankel op te sluit nog, want nou jy moet opsluit nog. That shouldn't be your worry now, man. Your shop. And continue good business. You understand? I said, your shop any longer now. You understand? The one whose shop is going to be now, like your son's shop, let him worry about opening it tomorrow morning. You understand? Now if you have to give advice, you must give advice for people with regards to Akhira. You understand? Tell them, beyond Salah. One of the best things you as a parent can say to your children, don't wait now. And then when I'm dead, then you start fighting with one another. Parents are the glue of a family. When your parents die, the siblings, they go for the jugular veins of one another. They fight. That's altijd a old bro of a old sister, wat moeligheid maak. But mommy and daddy trek for hulle gauw in die lijne. But when mommy and daddy dies, then the glue of the family dies. And then the brothers and sisters, they go with each other's throats. One of the best advices you can give your children is that. 
And so the Prophet of Allah was the father of this ummah. One of the things he said to us on his deathbed, he said, La tarji'u ba'di kuffaran. Do not return to being disbelievers after I'm dead. Yadrib ba'dukum riqaba ba'din. Where some of you strike the necks of others. So the Prophet didn't mean that you're going to become kafir when I die. He meant, I as the father, I'm the glue. I kept you together. I'm about to die. When I die, what normally happens is you will fight. But for a Muslim to fight a Muslim, it's like a being a kafir. When a kafir is the one that hates a Muslim, how should a Muslim hate a Muslim? So don't return to being kufar. you Muslims. But don't act like kufar men. Muslims shouldn't fight. You understand? When they like men, brothers shouldn't fight, sisters shouldn't fight. So that's a good nasiha to give. You understand? My desire for Yalla, so she can do it, is that Yalla can remain good brothers and sisters from Makkah. And Yalla can Makkah based on goodness, inshallah. And Allah knows best. But our time is limited, so I'm just going to quickly speed up a bit. So they should rather focus on meeting Allah, so as we're dying, we should focus on meeting Allah by ensuring that they end their lives with the best of deeds. As such, they should seek pardon for their transgressions against their spouse, their children, their relatives, their neighbors, and their friends. There are some things, however, that should not be said on the deathbed. You understand? In Newcastle, a man on his deathbed said, My brother's son is mine. Which means what? Better than what he say. So you know, his son, who thought he was the son of his brother, just realized my father is not my father, that guy is my father, and then he dies. And as you dying, you know what is the last gift you gave the dunya? You went ahead and you missed your brother's marriage. It wasn't enough that you committed zina with his wife. You had to in your last final moments kill his marriage. You understand? That's not wise. So that's why I said before, when death comes, there's one thing you need to do and you need to do it well. And that is die. You understand? Muni nog laste van die dinge aanvang he. Ga net mooi dood nou kan Allah. You understand? Ga net mooi dood. That's what we need to do now. Is die and die nicely. And Allah knows best. So if you want to do something, do something good man. Fra mense maaf. You understand? Die moment, as jy moe, as jy maaf vir alles wat ek al gedoen het. Selfs as doen met die adjies, wittend en onwittend. I will be able to get back to You understand? But it's fine, inshallah. Man. That is almost out of sort with some other time. You shouldn't have done it in the first place. You understand? But now that it is done, you understand? Don't expose that secret. It just brings badness. You understand? And Allah knows best. So it is best, in fact, to seek pardon from anyone and everyone with whom one has had some connection or the other, or had some dealings or the other. Shall I say, hand for hajj? Also, they should occupy themselves with dhikr or the recital of the Qur'an, if they are able to do so. Special care should also be taken to continue to be diligent with salah and the avoidance of najasa. When people become sick, they stop making salah. When people become sick, then the sickness is somehow involved najasa sometimes. 
people that are caring for them mustn't say, "Hey, come and do it." Come on, come on, come on. Walk to Scott dear. That's an adjacent of people's one. You understand? So you must be, you must still make salah. If you cannot make wudu, you will yab them to make wudu. Cannot stand for salah, they will sit in salah. Cannot sit in salah, they will lie down in salah. Uh, if they cannot make any movement, then even if it is merely with their eyelids, upward, aiskiyam, lenabichitu, ruku, sujud, sat, kiyam. You understand? Even if that's all you can do, you understand? Then do what you can do. That's all Allah wants from you. To do what you can do. But you shouldn't just abandon salah. Ekani salamake. There's a famous thing here in the You understand? When it comes to debts, we kept on some bad. Eh? We bad. I tell people when it comes to debts, you must do two things. Pay what you are able to pay and communicate. So I lend you a man, I lend you a thousand rand. The first two, three months it goes well and I'm paying the thousand rand. The fourth month, something happens, maybe my fridge packs up, so I can't pay him the thousand rand. Then I, I commit two wrongs. Number one, I cannot afford the thousand rand. And then I instantly give him zero. How did you go from thousand to zero? If you cannot afford the thousand, you can afford the nine hundred rand. If you can afford the nine hundred rand, you can afford the eight hundred rand. If you can afford the eight hundred rand, you can afford the seven hundred rand. If you can afford the hundred rand, a fifty rand, a twenty rand, a ten rand, a fifty rand. That's each what he can afford. But you can't afford it. You don't need to say this much. You can't afford it. And on top of that, you don't communicate. You don't go to the brother and you say to him, my fridge is going to So you can't demand your days and run. Can I give you next month? And then somewhere along the line, you say, my fridge is going to break it. So I'm going to go to the other side. So I'm going to go to the other side. So I'm going to go to the other side. So I'm going to go to the other So we don't pay and we don't say. You understand? And as the months pass, now it becomes embarrassing. Now can I give you a question? I'll let it go. Because I can't say anything. You understand? So the problem just aggravates. Is everybody with me? Right. So, we do the same thing. I can't say salamak stani. So I'm going to only salamak. You understand? You cannot make salah standing, then make salah as how you can. You cannot pay a thousand rand, then pay what you can. You understand? That is how it should be. And Allah knows best. If able, he should advise his family to make sabr after his demise. Save a mensa. They can probably say this, and they can probably help, but how few are moderate? How few are decent? Moet die uit die hand het raak. As jy dochter het wat leks, mal ek, as jy vir haar speciali, moet nou nie aangaan mal jy nou, You understand? Yes, Eva. You understand? You don't hire a professional mourner. A vrou wat staan in die crowd en sy heel soek waar sy dat vir amal heel. You understand? That is mentioned specifically in the hadith. You understand? That when the relatives of a deceased cry after his demise, he is punished in hellfire. So do the maat discuss this. They say it doesn't mean when they naturally cry. You understand? It means when he told them, as ik doet is aan moet jullie helen, of he told them, jullie kind van anti gaat dit zeggen, wat zo lekker heel, jullie moet verhaal laten komen. Because he wants people to know that he was a man of value. Als die mensen bij jou, jullie zijn doet is, 
Nakatalo mo si, di ako si Kakuya, mana. Alay lang po mo. You understand? So all of that adds to your punishment in the grave. You understand? When you do stuff like that. They said, do it, man. What is it? You understand? Focus on Allah. You understand? And uh, uh, tell your people, be moderate. But even naturalist, dunya. Sina, ilsa ano niya yo? MashaAllah, that's mercy from Allah. At muna na uvaltaraki, skiri klera, rapi ka saktareki, haraid. You understand? And do some other odd things. Muslims. You understand? So we be decent people. You understand? And we moderate and we natural in what we do. And Allah knows best. So Allah is displeased by all of those things. Right? So we tell our family make sabr. We tell them to continue to observe the teachings of Islam during the funeral preparations and services, such as avoiding excessive expressions of sorrow and other innovations common to the lay people. One innovation in Cape Town that is considered especially bad is that they force the relatives of the deceased to make food for guests. This is mentioned in Hadith. And the ulama of all the Madaib write in the books that it is a bid'ah munkara. It is a very disliked innovation. These people are mourning. And then you're forcing them to make food. You understand? So what should happen is people that are not direct relatives of the deceased, they must take on this amana. As I mean, sirs, that you see neighbors and die, of your aunties and your uncles, that see you, that also smack for guests. And then you don't force the wife, or the husband, or the daughter, or the son, or the mother, or the father. You don't force them to make food. They are mourning. You understand? They must be given the opportunity to mourn. But now, mudala atapals afskal. Fasikamaki ayva asbarain. You understand? But ala relative duotrahan. You understand? So that day is considered a severely disliked innovation. Alright? And Allah knows best. I told my time is practically up. I'm going to end just now. In fact, it is up by six minutes. I'm going to end now, inshallah. I just want to finish point five and then we can continue with point six. It is considered especially mustahab and desirable that the relatives of the deceased, the relatives of the person that is dying, should be looking after them. So, ikrak out. Vimut kek tamay. May kinasof on talamay satana awlday zom. That is the actual Islamic way. The actual Islamic way is, may kinas mut kek tamay asala ayubala som tadun inshallah. Because my kind of mercy for me, but can you understand for me? In a crack out, no make a mistake, a number one mistake or a number two mistake. I was a man from here. You understand? And I get a certain consideration, respect for it. He do not number ones and number twos. He can't make a score make. And that's a disgrace for me. As my kind of do, that can I not be treated as graceful. Because this is all the kind of things that I have to say. And what I have to say, this is all the kind of things that I have to say. So I say, I have to say, I have to say, I have to say, I have to say, You understand? It's bad, but it's my son. You understand? But to have another man that I don't know, a paid hand, to do for me. You understand? It's disgraceful for me. It likes it. You understand? So it's best that my relative does it, the one that I love, and that one loves me, and I was there for them, and so now they are there for me. 
So one day I was asked, to say one of the reasons I have so many children is that these children are my investments. Die is my pension. So dickiness is my pension. In Islam the law is very simple. The law is when my back is young and strong, it carries many backs. And one day when my back is unable to carry, then those many backs will carry me. That's my investor. Me pension. You understand? And Allah knows best. So they should look after their sick. They must look after their dying. Because they are more caring and they are more able to bear uh, difficulty without losing patience. And they should also start making dua for their relative that Allah should ease his suffering. Allah should cleanse him of his sins. And Allah must accept him into his Jannah. So we end there inshallah. Next week we continue. But as you can see it's a full program. We start discussing death itself. We start discussing the dying itself. And from that we will just naturally flow into the washing of the deceased. And then the shrouding of the deceased. And then uh, the salatul janazah. And then the burial. And all the related things. So this course is intended to be a somewhat comprehensive course. Inshallah. If there is anything that you want discussed. Or any questions that come to mind. Feel free to ask. Don't be shy. If you are but shy. You can write it down on the page and you can leave it in the front or you can 